Everybody, welcome to part two of um, From Good to Great, our, the second part of our marriage series. Um, the first part, uh, we talked a lot about having um, maintaining the spirit of the marriage. I just basically popped jokes the whole time. I, he did. <laughs> <laughs> she was teaching. I was totally being a clown. So this time, I promise I will... Not make any promises. Go ahead. No. no, we really have a good time. And, you know, that's the beauty of marriage. The beauty of marriage is that, you, you, you know, you're, you, you get to have fun for the rest of your life with this guy and, and this girl. And fun never ends. It never ends, you know. And sometimes you go through the valleys and the hills and everything. But, um, you know, those valleys just make those hills even that much better. Right, baby? Yeah, I was, um, I was thinking today about uh, adventure, like in, in the marriage. And um, I was like, you know, we need to do more of that. Like Tracy and I, we, I mean, we love to go do fun things together. You know, like we, we, when we first started out, we'd run together. We'd go do events together and things like that. Yeah, working out together and, is uh, really great. Working out's good. Um, like going to the lake and stuff like that, you know. So anyway, uh, I don't know about you, but if I were taking notes, I'd write down, have more adventure in the rest of 2017. Like, let's go do some fun stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. You down because, for that? And, and the reason, again, the reason that we wanted to uh, talk about marriage is because in a family, when we have healthy marriages, it strengthens the whole body. It strengthens all of us. And so when all of us are succeeding in the area of love, we are all succeeding in the area of community. We are all succeeding in the area of Dallas. And so the, the more that we can get what God's perfect plan is for a marriage, um, and even for single people. And so I'm going to talk to singles tonight as well. So it's not just all for the married people. In fact, I want to take a moment and I want to stop and I want to show you something that I found yesterday. And I have no idea how this thing showed up. So I'm going through and I'm looking for some material because we've been doing a lot of research on marriage. And there's a lot of great material out there. Uh, the Beveers. They're phenomenal, else? by the way. The, uh, Jimmy Evans. Um, anyway, there's a lot of good material out there. So we've been looking and best practices and what is the Lord saying and, and how has God, you know, been preparing us. But I want to show you what I found in our bookshelf. Okay, this was John's notebook from a marriage seminar that he went to when he was single. True story. Now, this was right before I met him, and I want you to know that he declared to me every day, I'm never getting married again. And then he'd show me this, and he'd take me through it, and I was like, uh, I think you might be wrong. <laughs> Let me see that. No, it's amazing, but his notes are all in it. I mean, he was very methodical and careful, and he's got some great stuff in here. And, and, and so I was just so proud of him. And so I want to encourage you. Listen, you're single, but here's the last thing you want to do. Let's say uh, you are going out and you're going to be on a football team, right? Okay, I, I don't ever watch sports. I have no idea fish, why this analogy is coming up. <laughs> but what you want to do is you want to practice before you actually play the game, okay? And so you want to get out and you want to say, okay, how am I going to do this so that I can do it well? Because She's not talking about purity. Quit laughing. 
What? What? I miss her. <laughs> I said she's not talking about purity. Quit laughing. Oh, okay. Oh, you are so clever. <laughs> anyway, so I all totally of that to say... Will you forgive me? Yes, practice. <clears throat> practice purity. No, but I, I um, wish I would have known a lot of the things... Um, when I got married, I wish I would have known a lot of this, and it would have saved me a lot of heartache, um, a lot of time, a lot of effort, and we could have, you know, I'm all about, how many of you like to get from point A to point Z fast, right? I mean, let's be productive and efficient, right? So I like to avoid as many pitfalls, because it's like, oh my God, I fell in another pit. So long to get out of this. So if we can avoid those things, it'll make life easier, and we'll be able to bring more glory to God. We'll be able to advance the kingdom. And like we said in the first part of this series, we'll be able to multiply, be fruitful, and take dominion. I mean, that's what I'm all about, right? Okay. Yeah, I want to. I want to plug this real quick. Um, I went to this at Sojourn Church years ago. That was before I met. Uh, Tracy, I lived in the area, and there was a church. It's called Sojourn Church. I used to live on Sojourn Drive when I first moved to Dallas. They were getting my place ready downtown, and, and so this lady put me up there. So I ended up going there, and uh, Jimmy Evans was uh, the, the speaker. He was teaching. He's from Amarillo or somewhere out in there. I don't remember. But anyway, West Texas. And um, it was awesome. It was phenomenal. And um, I did, I was like, oh, wow, I wish I would have known this because I was recently divorced, you know, just went through all of the trauma of that. So we're going to talk about a little bit about our stories tonight, right, babe? Yeah, well, with that, why don't you go, do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Uh, if You go and then I'll see if there's any time left. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like a good plan to me. All right, he is the perfect husband, right, ladies? <laughs> All right, so um, very interesting story about John and I. John and I, um, <clears throat> we met here in Dallas. Um, both of us kind of had a tattered past. <laughs> but we met here in Dallas. I was a single mom of two daughters, and he was a single dad of uh, two daughters and two sons. And so uh, both of us were doing the single parent thing. We were working very high profile uh, jobs. I, mine took me internationally, so I was flying around a lot. And um, so what happened is he moved into the city uh, with his four kids. And um, by the way, neither one of us had either parents. We didn't have anybody else that was helping us to raise our kids or yeah, raise our kids. And so um, we were truly uh, alone in that. And, um, and so our daughters became friends in middle school, Bliss and Ashley. And uh, they started hanging out. And so I would come home from work and I would see his daughter like jumping on my bed. And I was like, uh, who are you? <laughs> And she was just, she's just amazing young girl. Um, her name was Bliss, and, and that fit her personality because she was so effervescent and bright and shiny, and, and everything about her was just like, oh, you know, bigger than life. And so uh, she started coming over more and more, and, 
and hanging out at my house. And then um, I noticed that her brother would come. And so it just became kind of a thing. And then my kids were always going over to their house with this single dad. And so they thought, hey, wouldn't it be a good idea if um, my dad and your mom dated? And so they proposed this to both of us. And, and I was like, that is not a good idea at all. You know, I can see disaster. I said, you got a up. picture? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, no way. And he was like, yes. So anyway, we met. We met, and the, he laid eyes on me, and it was like a Cheshire cat. I mean, he was smiling so big, I thought he parted the hair in the back of his head. I was like, oh, Lord, he has got a, do I have a bullseye on my face? I don't know. But anyway, so by the time I got home, he, the phone was ringing, and he was like, hey. <laughs> no, literally, the phone was ringing when I walked in the door. Well, I had one more ticket to my Super Bowl party that Sunday, and so I was going to go ahead and invite her over. Yeah, yeah, you were. Anyway, I didn't go. It's uh, <laughs> like, no. So anyway, um, so he was, he was pretty persistent, and he said, you know, kept asking me out, and I said, you know, no, I don't think that's a good idea. Um, because, again, both of us had come from uh, broken marriages and... For me, I was um, young and single, like met my ex-husband in, in college, and um, you know, they had like a poster of me. I was the poster child for Sixth Street. It was like, class, what is that? <laughs> I'm having too much fun. So, uh, so I ended up marrying a, um, uh, an alcoholic um, who after we got married, um, come to find out that alcoholism led to um, physical, mental, and emotional abuse, and, um, and then that alcoholism led to um, many, many, many adulterous affairs. Too many to count. And so, it's kind of like a pastime. So, anyway, um, that was a very hurtful um, situation, and so having come out of that, and having come out of a, a marriage where I was completely dominated and, um, you know, just me trying to survive and trying to, you know, so, so after I got out of that and I wanted to show you guys this, is it okay if I take a break? Okay. This is for, uh, single people and I guess for married people. Okay. So I have made this line graph, okay. Courtship line graph. Okay. And this is what I tell a lot of young people. And, um, each one of us have, a scenario in a situation of life. We've grown up with our parents and our parents are somewhere on this line graph, this being healthy, this being unhealthy in our hearts. And so how much trauma and fear and all of the generational stuff and everything, you know, I mean, we've, we've all got our baggage, right? And so for me, just as an example, I'm just going to use myself as an example. Um, I was, uh, I came from uh, an abusive father who I love very much but of course you know he has his own stuff from his family and so it just carries on and so for me I was over here at an eight and so that was the level of health I was so I was I was custom to abuse I was my standard was to be abused and so when I would walk into a room full of men it never failed number eight 
would find me, right? And so like attracts like, and however healthy we are, however healed we are, heal people, heal people, hurt people, hurt people. And so, so I was not, and so here I was, the victim. What do I do? I find the equal in abusing, in a, the abuser. So, so we found each other, and then because we didn't have Jesus, we did what is normal, and, and it became a complete disaster or a complete power struggle of pain and heartache and abuse. Now, when, when, you, when you get healthier, the beauty of, of Christ is that Christ heals. And so we begin to go back towards the center of fullness and wholeness in our hearts. And our hearts, as they get healed, can contain and express more love. And so by the time we get here to a two and number eight comes calling, you're like, dude, I'm not even taking your phone call. You and I have nothing in common because that, that, that you're so accustomed to abuse, that's all been healed. And so now when Mr. Abusive, I'm going to punch you in the face comes along, you're like, yeah, no, that's not even going to happen. It's not even a consideration because, because now number two is looking for number two. Does that make sense? And so, so, and that's one of the things that I love about EJS is that EJS within a short period of time, like 10 weeks, that's our Encounter Jesus School, we end up seeing people come in as eights and tens. And within 10 weeks, we see Jesus and the Holy Spirit bring them down to a place where they know who they are and they, they, they are comfortable within their own skin and in, with their own voice. And so they experience a tremendous amount of healing. So true. They, um, if you think about you know, where people are, um, like unchurched, maybe from bad homes, maybe from single-parent homes, um, maybe orphans, true orphans or spiritual orphans. You know, it's no wonder that uh, half of the marriages end in divorce. Yeah. They have no skills for this. They have no, you know, uh, their picker is broken. Yeah. Okay? So you go out, and if you're unhealthy, then you find unhealthy, and then it's just an absolute mess. Um, Tracy and I, over the years, we've had, you know, couples come to us and they go, we want to get married. We're like, great. They said, well, we want you to marry us. We're like, okay, well, we do premarital counseling and all that. We'll go through the, you know, five, six things that are, are going to be pretty important about marriage. And we've literally sat there with couples before and we go, uh, can, we, um, can we adjourn for a minute? I'm going to go outside with him and you stay in here with her. And... Um, I asked this guy one time, I said, what do you, what do you love about her? And he goes, um, well, uh, you know, um, she's, she's, she's great. I, I, I love the way she worships Jesus and all that. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And he's like, what do you mean? I said, well, what's going on? Why are you getting married to her? And he said, Oh, man, it just started, and we were dating, and then the first thing you know, we're meeting parents, and the next thing, I don't even know how, how it happened, but we've got, a, we've got a date on the calendar, and I don't know how to stop it. And I'm like, well, first of all, you're not getting married. <laughs> no, well, we let them work it out, but don't be afraid to come to us for premarital counseling. <laughs> 
Be very afraid, gentlemen. Very afraid to come. Do you see the thing? How many of you know that, that sometimes we're so unhealthy that we'll take the first fish that swim, swims by? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. It's a cold fish. Even after you catch it, you can't eat it. It's no good. Yeah. Well, so enough about fish. So let's get back on track. I was just trying to help you out there. I know you were. So, so John and I, so what happened is after um, uh, I got divorced, and I'll tell you, you know, you guys were writing a book. You can read it. I mean, I had to come from Mexico with two kids, left with that thing, you know, blah, 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 and um, basically start my life over. And, um, the, but the one thing that I decided um, is that I decided and I understood that I didn't really love myself very much. And so I really suffered with a lot of self-hatred. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I liked. Um, and when you're an abused woman, when you're in an abused uh, situation, you lose, you lose yourself. And so I had, to go, I had to find myself. But most importantly, and I think this had to be Holy Spirit talking to me, even though I didn't know him yet. He, I believe that he was saying to me, get your life in order. And... So I thought, you know, he may be an alcoholic and, 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 and an adulterer and an abuser, but I married him. And so my eight, I had a revelation that my eight needed to come down because I may not have loved myself, but I loved my girls and I wanted to be a good mother and I wanted to love again, but I wanted to... to um, I didn't want this kind of life for myself and for my girls. And so I thought, you know, I'm, and I, I had a revelation that this was the same man that my grandmother married and my mother married. And so I had married that same guy. And so this cycle, I just thought it's got to end with me, you know, so that, so that I can change my stars. And I didn't know about Jesus helping me in that, but I just was trying to figure it out myself. So I started going into counseling, and guys, I was in counseling for four years. Now do the math on that money. I was in counseling for four years. Every week I went to counseling, and I told her, I am not leaving here until you kick me out, until you tell me that I'm okay. And so um, during that time, I started dating. Uh, well, okay, let's go back. So John kept, I told him we were just going to be friends, and Darn it, if he wasn't the very best friend that you've ever had. I mean, he just served me. I mean, ladies, he cleaned out my garage. He, there was the, 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 okay, I have to tell this story. Go ahead. So, <laughs> there was, um, there was, it was raining cats and dogs one day. And the city had cut my water off. And I'm like, why? And I'm calling them, why did you cut my water off? Here's my address. And they said, oh, you know, we were supposed to cut the water off of the person at the same address but one street over because they didn't pay your bill. And I'm like, yeah, I have no water. And they said, you know, we can't turn your water on until Monday. Well, this is like a Saturday, Friday or Saturday. And I'm like, what are we supposed to do? So John goes out there and he looks, at, pulls that little lid open on the meter. It's raining. He's in the rain. And I'm watching him on my, on my porch. And he, and he comes back and he goes, you know, I think I got a key for that. You got a key for the water meter? I'm like, I, I think I might 
didn't like you. <laughs> so all of those things just kept building up and building up, and he was just Johnny on the spot. He would carpool my kids. He was always there helping me do life, and I just thought, you know, and, and somebody said to me, you should date John, because he's always over here. And... Um, you should date John. He's such a nice guy. And I said, I know. See, that's the problem. I don't date nice guys. Then one day, he showed up on my doorstep, and he was wearing this blue jean shirt. And I thought, wow, you're kind of cute. I never noticed you were cute before. <laughs> and so I, he's walking. And of course, ladies, come on. I am in this old gross terry cloth robe and my hair's in a bun and and I, so I, I walked out after him he was going to his car he dropped the girls off and and um I, I said um hey do you still want to date me and I mean he swung around and he said yes where do you want to go <laughs> I'll take you anywhere and I was like okay that was pretty good Trey yeah <clears throat> Let me set the record straight, though. You liked me because I had a dirt bike and I had big muscles. No. <laughs> Not at all. I always thought that's what it was, really. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, no. It was, it was the water key. The water key. Yeah. The strangest things, gentlemen. I don't even know how to tell you to do that. I mean... Uh, I hope I didn't steal that from the city, like they left it laying on the curb one day. But um, the thing with, with Tracy, um, I saw, I saw the, the amazing woman she is. She's not typical, right, guys? But I don't want typical. I didn't want someone that wasn't made for me. But I, from the minute I met, really, from the minute I met Tracy, I was very interested in her. She had that zeal, and she was... We're in that tan pantsuit, and darn. <clears throat> what, what could I do but lean up against my fireplace and grin at her? Yeah. Anyways, um, so my story. Uh, my story goes back a ways, too. I was married 15 years and, and had kids and um, really... You know, I didn't have a grid for how to do marriage or anything like that. I just had parents that were successful. They, they were married more than 60 years. And uh, they did their thing. And uh, my mom was born blind, but she, she did recover some sight. But through the years, she stayed home and worked in the home. Uh, my dad worked outside the home, and then we all worked together. So our lives were about just work and service. Basically, we, you know, fed ourselves on our farm and had livestock, all the, all the things you do. But basically, we were just too busy uh, working to try to, you know, make all that go to sit around and discuss our feelings. <laughs> and, um, and so we didn't. And my dad was from an older generation. You may, you may be able to relate to this, but my dad was born in 1911. And, you know, guys didn't sit around and hug each other or, you know, they weren't all, t you know, how did that make you feel when your wife, you know. Seriously, the only guys I ever saw like that were on those soap operas. As the world turns, my mom would have them on occasionally. She's probably dreaming. But um, we were just tough old farm people. And, and so, uh, 
you know, we watched them get along and all. And, and frankly, the way I picked was, you know, this. I mean, like I said, it was, it was all about the exterior appearance. And, of course, I didn't have a grid. I was trained properly that the only thing a man had to do in the household was, you know, put the, make a living, bring the money in. The rest of it was history. That was, you know, that's my grid for marriage. So, um, you know, that's my part I brought to the marriage. Obviously, I did this. I totally, um, nobody believes in that more than I do. I've seen it throughout the years as we ministered young couples and all. But the fact is, my picker was broken. And I picked wrong, and it was a lot of years of pain for me. And I was just stubborn enough to say, I don't quit, and we're going we're gonna to stick this out. But, you know, uh, sometimes it's not up to you. And so after, after quite a few years, I'll do the fast-forward version. Uh, I literally went off to work one day. I had um, a beautiful home paid for almost. I had a little bit left. New cars, boats, all kinds of everything that the world could offer. I was very successful. had a great home in, in Edmond, Oklahoma. had a partnership in a large um, dealer group up in Oklahoma. And um, a crazy-paying job. And... Um, so I'm pretty much feeling like, hey, this old husband here, he's, you know, he's pretty much getting it done. You know, had kids, great relationship with them. We're hanging out all the time, doing fun stuff. And um, I get home from work one day, and my entire home is cleaned out. There's not one stick of furniture. I had to go buy a toothbrush to that night. I mean, there was nothing left. They literally, she had uh, called the moving trucks. It's all gone. I used to write some movies about this stuff. But uh, the fact is that um, she had been brought up in a home where um, she was told, and, and maybe generations before her. So, I mean, she's just doing what she was told, that men are there to provide you a living and, you know, don't trust them, and basically they're there for you to use. And so she was very unhealthy. I was very unhealthy, and it just led to 15 years of hell, basically. You know, the first year or so was pretty good. You can fake it till you make it, but after a year or so, you're just going to be yourself. If you're not healed, then it's, you need to get healing. So I was willing to submit to that, but she wasn't. And so at that point, um, you know, my kids are gone. My, all my stuff's gone. And I'm like, and there was some betrayal around that that caused my job to be gone. I know. So I worked 20 years, literally six days a week, literally 10 to 12 hours a day, coming up from nothing, running a half a billion dollar company, 750 employees, to nothing. Less than nothing because of the betrayal. She had planned to leave, and so there were finances and a situation were there. So I went to work rich and good looking, and I came home broke, and then back of broke. All right, past the clinics here. <laughs> so, so that's tough, right? So uh, my first point is, uh, what security do you have in the world? If you think you do, you don't. We don't, we don't now. The only security we have is building our house on the rock, who is our reward up front, there's nothing else to get, basically. The reward is our reward, and we can all have it for free. And if you don't have it, get it right now. I'm telling you the truth about this. 
that no matter what you amass on the earth, it does ha doesn't have anything to do with who you are or what you're worth. Yeah. Yeah. The only one that gives you that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, um, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty out of it. So, you know, honestly, the um, a friend of mine uh, was actually an associate, somebody I did business with, and, and I won't go into the old betrayal or all that, but the, this guy called me and he says, hey, would you want to meet me for lunch? And uh, when I met him, I, I was taking the kids, she wasn't going, but I was taking the kids to a, a Christian school. They had them in Christian school, and also we were going to the church, just the kids and I. And when I got there, the, um, went to the petroleum club in Oklahoma City, and the pastor was there with him. I know he's going to be here. Anyway, so the pastor and my friend were sitting there, and I mean, it wasn't two minutes in. I, I was about to erupt, you know. I'm handling this and just moving on like, you know, a COO of a, a large company will, but I mean, inside, I'm just about to blow it, you know. And so I went and sat with them for a few minutes, and five minutes into it, I'm on the I'm on my face in the petroleum club in a busy lunch in Oklahoma City telling Christ that if he, if he wanted my life, he has it. That I, I couldn't do any more. I've done all I can, and I'm, I'm giving it to him if he wants me. And that's the day we made the deal. And I'm telling you, uh, from that day, it was the worst day in my life, but it was also the best day in my life. I lost it all, and I gained more. Isn't that in? It's so paradoxical the way this worked out, you know. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, if you, you've got my life if you want me. Yeah. And it changed everything. He gave me a sweet job in Dallas. That's why I moved to Dallas, picked right back up and financially and began to, um, to rebuild. And, uh, but it was hard. I don't know if you've ever tried to do laundry for four kids because I thought I'm supposed to do that too. I'm supposed to cook, I'm supposed to do laundry, I'm supposed to run the business, another large business, lots of employees. I'm supposed to pick them up at school, I'm supposed to do all that. And oh, by the way, I'll pick your kids up too. So, so we, start, we start helping each other out. Like she said, the kids were doing the parent trap thing. And so we start helping each other out. So I'm like, I'll pick up on Tuesdays yeah. and Thursdays. Those, those kids were like, hey, Tracy, how would you like to be our mom? I mean, it was so sweet, you know? And, and so we, we began to help each other as friends because at this time we still were not dating because it wasn't a good idea. No, the he girls was dating were. other people and I was dating other people, but we were friends with each other. And then we started leaving the people we were dating so that we could be friends. Like we would be like, hey, so I can't really go to that movie later. I, I just don't feel very good. And so I, I would get dropped off from a date, and then he and I would rendezvous and go running. It's true. We did. We, we, we just enjoyed each other's company. Yeah. And so uh, I remember one of the girls I was dating, by the way, who would have married me that fast and she wasn't my wife. Are you all with me, gentlemen, here? It's the truth. There were probably, and during my four years of dating or whatever it was, there were probably four to five girls that if I would have asked them to marry me, they would have. And they were not my wife. Be careful. Yeah. Be careful on that. But anyway, along, uh, I wasn't going to marry anyone 
I made that vow, and I mean, I made it strongly many times. Um, I made it before I dated anyone every time. I don't know if I had it written out and uh, laminated. I don't think I did. But I I would tell them, look, I mean, if you want to go have a good time, I'm your guy. But if you want to, like, get married, mm -mm, I'm out. I'm I'm not doing that deal. Yeah, he would be honest with them. (laughs) I told him, I'm so glad I never dated you. This was when we were just friends. You're that well, guy. I tried to. I tried to be. Ladies, was, you know what I'm talking about. You met that guy. It was worse than just being a flat-out liar because, uh, frankly, then you give them every buying signal there is, right, gentlemen? Friendlationships, you know, and you're not going anywhere with it. Uh, so I was. I I left a string of tears behind me and had a lot on my own. It was bad. I was a bad guy. I yeah. mean, just the way I treated mm-hmm. and dated. I, you know, it, was, it wasn't fair because, you know, I'm trying to have it both ways, and you can't. But I, I want to tell you this. I felt like, you know, prison for me was being married because I'd had such a bad experience. Don't you know that we, our experience, which a lot of times, will create the grid that we see life through? Yeah. I teach father's heart. If you had a bad father, you probably see God pretty similarly to that until you get your healing right. So I, I just want to say this, that once I found out that being free was allowing myself the opportunity to choose, that very day that I had the revelation, I went to her house and I asked her to marry me. Yeah, that's true. The very day I got that revelation, I wanted her very, very bad. But I did not want to go through another 15 years of hell. And I did not want to put anyone else through that either. And I didn't trust myself to pick. Um, and that, uh, I will tell you, Tracy did me a favor to, now I'm sure she wasn't trying to fix me, but she did give me seven free visits to her counseling. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty much like that first, inter- like the first time we went running, I was like, oh. Yeah, you, you need to go see my girl. Actually, I had to pay, but I thought the story sounded better that way. Yeah, but. you did. But I, I was. I was seeking health, and once I, once I realized that, okay, you don't, you, know, you don't have to keep putting your fingers in your ears and saying, nah, la, 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 I'm not going to listen to I, I knew that she was the one I wanted. Yeah. I called the people I was dating, and, um, and I told them. I said, there were, yes, there were five, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Again, he was that guy. There were five girls, but only four that really loved me at the time. <laughs> See what I mean? It was terrible. But I did. I, uh, one of them had said before, he said, uh, she said, you're going to end up dating her, talking about Tracy, because I'd leave dates to go be with her, you know? And I'm like, no, she's just a friend of ours, you know. She and my kids and her kids and tell the story. And she's like, "Uh uh-huh. Anyway, that was when I learned about prophecy. Um, She was basically prophesying. Okay, but enough of that. We had a similar situation. Both of us came from failed marriages. Both of us had, um, our spouses had adulterous affairs. Both of us had nothing. Neither one of us had furniture. We didn't have anything. I had to come from Mexico. He came from Oklahoma. And so we kind of met in the middle and both of us had garage furniture. 
It was so funny. It was like, where'd you get your furniture from the garage? Where'd you get yours? From my parents' garage. <laughs> so we had this whole mix, and it was, and, and so then we, we got married, and we all kind of melted into each other, and, um, and, and so even though John and I moved from, like, being an eight to being, like, a six, well, you know. I was, I had given my life in, in uh, 2094, but Tracy was not, even though she was an Episcopal, she went to church and stuff, she was not a true believer at that time, and she'll tell you. I mean, she had not really um, let the Lord have yeah. her life at that time. That's right. And um, so, you know, I was like, you know, Episcopalian, okay, whatever, doesn't matter. You know, I was a, I was an American Christian. I had a, 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 an intellectual understanding that Jesus, who Jesus was, but I had never uh, surrendered my life to Jesus or asked Jesus to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. I mean, there was no grid. I'd never read the Bible. You guys have heard my story. So, um, so we had this situation. We both got married. And so all of these kids moved into one house. And now we've got six teenagers. Talk about, you know, first year honeymoon or first year whatever. We were first year like, ah, what's happening? So it was, it was wild. It was fun. It was, we were so in love. I mean, I think we kind of scarred our kids. Because we were always hugging and kissing and, you yeah. know, just really loving each other. But, but we truly were like a sign and a wonder as a family. As a blended yeah. family, we were a sign and a wonder because we all were we all, were all we had, you know. And, and so everybody really loved one another, served one another, helped one another. And it was a crazy, cool, fun time. Of course, we had our we had our issues because, <laughs> let's be honest, they were teenagers, and um, so all the girls were crying because the boys didn't call, and some of the uh, guys were being aggressive. But then I had my encounter and started seeing angels and demons. And if you think that doesn't turn the apple cart upside down, Ashley said she went from zero to shofar overnight. <laughs> And our kids were like, Mom, what happened? What happened to that cool mom we used to have? And I'd be sitting on the couch like, and then I had my crazy maid, and she had her tambourine out, and the cat was laying on the floor going, wow, getting delivered of a demon. And I'm like, that's a demon. And my kids are like. Now, we've been married, what, a year? A year. See, he made that vow like I'm never going to get married again because all the women I get married to go crazy. Now, I was from Church of Christ. <laughs> um, not the music. That's, let's be a little more conservative. Anyway, um, so I had no grid for this. Mm. My wife is like seeing openly in the spirit. Yeah. But I, I remember one of my daughters uh, went to a charismatic-type church up in Edmond. You know who Charlie Hall is? He was the, the worship, worship leader there. It was a phenomenal. Charlie Hall's, like, great. Look him up. But anyway, um, I, and I know sometimes I go to pick her up from, from church, and they were doing that stuff. Those, those charismatics do. Like, they had people up front, and they were praying for people, and... Casting out demons and healing people and all that stuff. So I saw a little bit of that. I'm like, whoa, I need to talk to her about going to a church like this. <laughs> um, but I had no 
grid on earth about any of this. It, I was so conservative in that way. Yeah. Um, I just, I never seen church like that. All I did too, I, when, I, uh, when I was about 16, I went to church with my girlfriend one time. She went to a Pentecostal holiness church. And I walked <laughs> with her all the way down to almost the front. And this lady started screaming at the top of her lungs. And I turned and I bolted. And I never went back with her. And I never went back to that church. So there you go. And uh, so Tracy's having this experience. So I called my uh, pastor back in, in Edmond, Oklahoma, and I'm like, look, here's what's happened, man. I mean, I married this woman, and then she, you know, the, she, you know. And, uh, and so this guy says, John, take her to Sojourn Church and introduce her to Terry Moore. He'll know what to do with her. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. We were there, what, 15 years or something? No, nine, but that's okay. How You're, many years? Nine. We were there nine years. Nine? Is yeah. that all? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, nine so, years. So all of that to say, so We've after been married that, 12. it was like a road show. I mean, we were that family, you know, uh, six kids, and everybody got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, and we were all like, Shandala Baka Baha. It was, Not a, quite it was a lot of fun. But, Not yeah. everybody. Well, no, it was uh, one holdout, but we're still believing. So um, anyway, it was a great time, but, but I think most of all, um, it's really weird because I, I didn't know what was good for me, and so I saw a nice guy. And my immediate response was, no. But the Lord knew what I needed, even though I didn't know what I needed. And he has been the greatest treasure of my life. Because as we talk about husbands and wives, um, he served me in a way that caused my heart to come back to life. I don't think my heart was ever alive, ever. And, and he served me and loved me and gave me room to grow into love. You know, a lot of times, guys, when you meet these women, what women do is we're like a, we're like a, a rosebud that is shut. And because we, safety is very important for a woman. And so we, we try to make it on our own, and we do the very best we can but the truth is, we're still like a bud that's closed. So when you meet us, even though we could have a big personality and be beautiful and all of that kind of stuff, the, 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 our heart, that, that bud of our heart is shut. But love and safety and, and covering and protection that a man offers will cause a woman to really begin to bloom and blossom. And, and because of John's love for me and, and, and towards me and honoring me and loving me and helping me, I just got to, like, blossom and become that flower that I was supposed to be all along. And that's the only way I know how to describe it because that's what it feels like for a woman. You know, it's like, oh, <laughs> there I am. Have you ever tried to smell a bud, a rosebud? It doesn't smell like anything. But when a flower fully opens, that's when the nectar and everything, that's where the beauty of the, of the, uh, of the rose comes from, that scent. And, that. and so I just so value 
marriage and getting it right because truly we all need to bloom. If we can do that, then and then I, I believe that uh, we'll start to see revival because if revival happens in the family, revival will happen in the community. If revival happens in the community, then revival will happen in our city. <clears throat> so for us, what we feel like God's instruction is, is to live a life of service in a marriage. Yeah, um, and before, we, before I, I want to pick that one up, if you don't mind. But, um, you know, with Tracy, too, when I was used to just, you know, I put myself so far back on the burner. I, I didn't have an opinion about anything, really. I just worked. Seriously. You wouldn't believe us back then. Tracy or me, the one. We didn't look anything like we do today. Uh, I was a workaholic, which is anything with holic on the back of it. You know, you might want to, like, go to eight and then work your way in on that. But um, I was. I was a workaholic, man. That, that was my deal. And Tracy uh, taught me to take my turn, which was so odd for me. Remember? You're like, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, me? Somebody's asking me. Well, why don't you, let's get you this. She was so generous and it was like, oh, well, I don't know what I like. I know I like Doc Bart Martin's jeans with those bell bottoms. I know that. <laughs> and um, we had to work on that. You know what I'm talking about, girls. I like, like the red plaid. Is that shirt. what you're gonna wear? <laughs> I like the red plaid shirts with the arms cut out of them. But I, I mean, other than that, I'm not, I'm not really sure. <laughs> I might have pushed that one a little hard, yeah. just for effect. Anyway, I didn't know I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about relationships, and um, and Tracy was just this bright, shining thing. I saw her before she was her who she is. I saw her so clearly. I knew exactly who she was. I mean, just bigger than life, loud, dressed brightly, beautiful all the time. I mean, just stunning. Um, help everybody shoot you know if don't tell her you got a problem she'd be all up in your business and you'll be <laughs> I mean she just she just made it happen man she does and she just she just I didn't want regular I wanted her and so um, let's pray praise be to you God that yeah. you gave me this gorgeous woman to do my life with yeah and Lord, it's been 19 years of amazing, and we've had a few little bumps, but you've been there for us every time. And Lord, would you uh, just accelerate our love for one another? In Jesus' name, amen. Right. So here's what um, we want to share with you. This whole thing of living a life of service. If you're looking for connection in your heart to others, here's how you get it. You ready? The mystery has been solved. You serve them. If you want to connect to a church, you're like, you know, you're like, hey, I come on Sundays, I leave afterwards, I just don't feel connected. And we hear that all the time. We're like, well, okay, where are you serving? Because the key with connection is serving. If you want to connect with a friend, what do you do? As my grandmother said, if you want a friend, you got to learn how to be a friend. And so you have to serve that person. And what happens is when you begin to serve other people, hearts connect. 
When you want to, if you want to be connected to a community, how do you get connected? You begin to serve. And so it's a very simple recipe that God has set out for us because here's what happens. Um, there's a direct correlation when a person serves a place or when a person serves another person because the human heart engages or connects. In other words, you become invested in that person. Okay, and I want to show you this. I actually, some of you have this on your, um, on your chairs, and the Lord took me through this. I don't know about y'all, but I actually, um, I do better when I have like a, like a visual. And so God talks to me in, in visions and shows me um, what things look like. And so it helps to have a diagram because I go, oh, okay, yeah, now I get that. Instead of it being this word diagram i want to see a picture diagram yeah so um i want to show this to you because i think it's really important to get this Ad this is adam a is for adam um e is for eve okay so in the garden and in the beginning you had adam and eve um and you had a scenario and a situation where they were one but what I want to try to do is, is, again, it doesn't matter what we think about marriage, but it's, it matters what did God say. Because what, whatever God defines something as, we know this, that's what it's meant to be. And whenever we do something other than what God has spoken, that's where we get into trouble. So, uh, so here's Adam and Eve. Basically, Adam and Eve are operating together. And he says to the woman, you are going to be, uh, actually, it was um, Adam, I need a helpmate. And God's like, you need a helpmate. You need to not be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. And so he creates Eve. He pulls her out of his side. And so the, the word helpmate is actually mentioned 21 times in the Bible. A helpmate is not somebody who's beneath a man. It's not a woman that's beneath a man, but it's a woman side by side to a man. And we know this because there's a co-laboring that happens because this word is used 21 times. And 19 of the 21, it's used to describe the relationship between God and man, that God is man's helper. And that they work together and they co-labor to advance and multiply. The, uh, the only other two times it's used is when it's used with man. Now, you go back to Genesis 2.15. God is commanding Adam and he's saying, here's what I want you to do. And he uses these two words. And I'm going to use the, the Hebrew. He uses the word abad. I want you to abad and shamar. And abad means to work and serve. And shamar means to be watchmen, to guard and protect. And so that was what he told. He said, so he basically said to the woman, I want you to be, you're going to be the helpmate. And, and, and he said to the man, you're going to work and serve, and you're going to be a watchman, and you're going to guard and protect. And so he was defining their roles that even though they were one, she is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Even though they're now one, you're going to leave your mother and father and you're going to cleave to your wife. And even though they're now one, they have different roles because God said so. Okay, so then you have the fall. And so God said, okay, here's the way it's going to be from now on. And so he said to the man, you are now going to rule over your wife. And this word rule means you're going to take dominion over her. You're going to take dominion 
or control over your wife. And he says to the woman, now, your desire is now going to be for your husband. Now, look at what that word desire, mean, desire means. Desire means uh, it can have a positive and a negative meaning. It can mean a desire for love in the positive, but in the negative, it means a longing for a beast to devour, okay, a desire con to control through manipulation, and so you have this situation where you have a man over a woman and you have a woman trying to manipulate and control. So you basically have this power struggle that's going on between Adam and Eve, right? So it redefined the role of being oneness to basically there's a war now going on within the, the marriage. It may be a silent war. It may be, you know, because you've got him pressing down on her. You've got her trying to get to her destiny by trying to uh, manipulate, by trying to control him. So they're basically both trying to control one another. And, and over here, God said, listen, here's your destiny. Be fruitful and multiply. Take dominion. And over here, he said to them, to the earth you shall go. Toil. Men are going to have to toil to eat, and women are going to have pain and childbirth. And so what happens then is when Jesus come, he came to set the captives free. He didn't come to just set men free, but he said, I'm going to set marriage free. I'm going to come and I'm going to set the husbands free. I'm going to come and I'm going to set the wives free. And this union, once again, is going to take dominion, enter the kingdom, and rule and reign as co-heirs with Christ, right? So now the veil's been torn, and they can once again be in union with God and truly be in a mutual union with one another. But, but the, the key with their union now is that God has defined it, but he defined it in a very interesting way. He defined it as you two are going to be each other's servants, and you're going to serve one another so that you can grow and expand and be fruitful and multiply. And so he said to the woman, here's how you're going to relate to one another. You're going to submit to your husband, and you're going to have reverence for him. And, man, you are going to honor, submit, love, and you are going to be the head of this marriage. You're going to have headship. And so we want to go through, and John's going to uh, tell us about that. Yeah, let's talk about headship for a minute. So... Um Jesus likens it to Christ uh, being the head of the church. And um, this one, um, you know, for, for most of you, it probably isn't an issue whatsoever. In other words, you've been, you've been churched in some, you know, pretty, um, I guess, woman-friendly church, churches. But I've got to tell you, in, in some of the people that we've uh, counseled throughout the years, we will find that sometimes, not always, but sometimes it gets misconstrued what being the head of the household is, what being the head is. In fact, uh, we've actually seen it when um, it can get so misconstrued that it can be um, the man is the head. In other words, you could put other, other names in there. I'm just going to stick with the head here, the head of the household. But some guys think that means that they are the king of the house king of my castle and all that, and that he has slaves and his wife is that slave. Seriously, take it way out of context because, uh, and, and I'll give you some other scripture to back it up so you know that's not what it's saying, 
But um, if you treat your wife like a slave, she's not going to be, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a bad deal. She's going to try well, to. She's not going to be able to have, you're not going to have a good partner. Because you know? you've just you've just basically kept the the partnership and the and the strength that the Lord gave you through her. You have now eliminated that, so you no longer have access to that in your life. And so, you sh marriage is supposed to multiply you, and you're sp no, supposed to now have a mate that brings all of her gifts and talents and and beauty and and wisdom and everything that she has. All of those things from God, she brings them into the marriage to strengthen the marriage. But if you're, but if men try to diminish that through a false understanding of headship, then you now don't have access to to all of so, those all of what she has sure so what uh what you want is you want to come together as one uh you leave your father and mother and become one flesh and a three-stranded cord is not easily broken so you what you do is you come together each of you be being fully alive in everything the lord made you to be now you know you can you can look so many places in the word about the promises that jesus made for us luke 4 18 he's come to you know heal the broken heart set the captives free and all the rest that doesn't mean he came to set them free so they could be captive again to their own husbands does it come on you have to word. you have to really think about the heart of the matter well last week we talked about the heart of the marriage um, if you want the the heart of the marriage to if you really look at the scriptures the scriptures are sometimes used to manipulate one another or to really set it up where you can be the king and it's just not okay. Yeah. Um, if you do that, sure, you can survive and get along. Maybe, a, you know, maybe there's an abusive situation there, and maybe the wife stays forever. But is she going to be bringing uh, her part, and can you guys run together as a couple like you could if each one was lifting up the other? Now, yeah, we're try trying this, to run a race with one leg. We're saying this scripturally because that's what matters. But I would tell you practically... That's what's, uh, I can tell you in my own life, that's exactly uh, what's different about this marriage and my other marriage. Is that in this marriage, she's encouraging me and saying, take your turn. And I'm lifting her up and I say, this is who you are. Mm -hmm. And we're lifting each other. And over the years, we've both grown in the Lord. Who would have ever thought, if you had known us before, you're like, they're doing what? Leading a church. <laughs> Are you serious? And, you know, who is he to stand up and talk about marriage? This guy's got the worst marriage I've known of. So think about it. The Lord is, he's come to set the captives free. He's come to heal and to for yeah. us to co-labor with him, yeah. the Holy Spirit, uh, which will guide us into all things. So this, the headship is actually servant leadership. Yeah. Jesus is the head of the church. So that doesn't mean he comes and, you know, puts his thumb on you and tries to, you know, beat you up so you can serve him and go be a slave to him. He doesn't want slaves. What he wants uh, as head of the church is he serve. Now look at the picture of the disciples when he washed their feet. He said, uh, who's most important at the table, the one that's being served or the one that's carrying the, the food? They're like the one being served. And he said, yes, but not so here. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Not so here. Uh-uh. Here, the least shall be first. Yeah. 
Guys, you don't know who's going to be sitting close to Jesus in heaven, but I guarantee you we better look around. It's those quiet ones that are serving yeah, like crazy. Yeah, I love, can we just go into that scripture? That's from Luke twenty-two twenty-seven. Jesus said um, they were at the Last Supper, and, and I, you may remember this. They began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Don't you know we do that, right? Um, even his husband and wife, you know, in this world, the kings and great men lord it over the people. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus told them the kings and the great men lord it over people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. He's talking to the disciples. Those who are the great among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one that serves? Now you look right? At it. And, he's, and oh. so he, I'm sorry, the one that sits at the table or the one that serves? And, and um, they said the one that sits at the table, or he did. He said the one that sits at the table, of course. He said, but not here, for I am among you as one that serves. For who is, uh, okay, I, I, okay. We good? Yeah, I, I wrote that down twice. I must have really meant it's it. It's actually worth saying twice. It because is. Because if you think about it, you know, Misty Edwards' uh, IHOP wrote a song about it. Yeah. Upside down kingdom. Yeah. I mean, it's inside out, it's upside down, and everybody's like, what? If I give, if I serve, if I give it away, I won't have it. Yeah. I'm like, no, if you give it away, you'll have more. It's yeah. like, how does that work? So this is who Jesus is. If this is who Jesus says he is, then he's saying this is who we're supposed to be. And then he demonstrated again at the Last Supper, like John said. So you let's, read that? Uh, let's talk about it in context of marriage. So if you're serving your, your wife or, and she's serving her husband, then both are going to get fulfilled. Both are going to get their needs met. And there's not going to be this draw on one another to serve me. Uh, a lot of times marriages, uh, people will say, well, I want to get married so bad, man. I just want somebody to go out and make the living and all that where they can bring it. And I can watch those TV shows. It's, it's just going to be great because that's what the husband's supposed to do. He's supposed to work. Or I just want somebody to do that laundry, man. I'm going to get me a girl. She's going to take care of all that stuff, you know. Anyway, I mean, I know we don't say it that, you know, overtly, but frankly... We, we don't want to go into the marriage to get. Think about it. If, you, if you're, you know, seriously about taking someone on as your mate for life, you really go in there to, hey, can we get together? I want to serve you for the next 55 years with my whole heart every day of my life. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. If you both are saying that, I think uh, we can do work in some marriage counseling, couldn't we? Yeah. So when we serve each other, we are showing them the love of Christ, and we are the hands and the feet of Christ to them. Not just in a marriage, but all. But have you noticed that when you give of yourself freely to other people, you serve them, you help them, and and or and you give to them. You give to them financially. So as John and I have learned, the 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 way to make the marriage grow and the way to begin to set the captives free in our own life, meaning our own hearts, is really to 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 say, okay. Hey, I'm going to think about what John needs in this situation, and I'm not going to try to self-protect or or um, take my own side or whatever. Because you get into the rights and the wrongs, but you don't want to get into the rights and the wrongs. You want to get in the how can he benefit from this choice? How can how can I prefer John's heart over my own heart? Does yeah, that make when sense? We, when we get into it here, where we're pushing each other, we need to look here and say, "All right, Lord." 
And I'll tell you, through the years, we've had, we've had times when that happened, you know, when each one would, because if one pulls back, then they both pull back, you know, then it's kind of a tit-for-tat type deal. Uh, if, if one of you starts manipulating the other, then the other's going to pull back and, you know, start domina dominating. Right. So it's, it's, you really have to guard the heart of the, of the marriage. The spirit and, of the marriage. And the spirit of the marriage and lean into the marriage uh, the way the Lord said. Um, right. And so uh, really what true leadership looks like is true leadership looks like oneness, mutual submission, and serving. The wrong way is a wife trying to dominate or manipulate her husband. And the wrong, other wrong way is when a husband tries to dominate his wife. Because when you do that, you're going back to the place of the fall and you're not operating in the place of the spirit. Let me hit one more. Have you, have you heard the passage about um, the man uh, being the head um, as the woman is the weaker vessel? I mean, this... The man is the head. We're not, we're not redefining anything here. We're just saying, what does headship look like? That's, that's the problem. That's what we get wrong in marriages. Uh, the Lord set it up the right way. Yeah. The man is the head, so he is the head servant. Yeah, why but don't also, I, let me read that. Okay, husbands, honor your wives. So he says this, husbands, likewise, wives, dwell with your wives with understanding, giving honor and value to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. So the man's prayers would be hindered um, if, let's just look at these two cups right here. Let's pretend that this is a beautiful piece of Waterford crystal. That's the woman. And this would be me. It's a tin cup that you take camping. But they both... But they both hold exactly the same amount. And if the woman's a weaker vessel, then she's going to break easier. Yeah. And a lot of people take issue with that. But I'm not saying that the Lord is. I'm just giving an example of that. But I will tell you that... Um, like, I can't bench what he can bench. Not that I've ever tried, but... Men are the stronger, and, and the Lord just made men stronger. Thank goodness, because my guys were carrying furniture upstairs the other day, and I was just having to point. Take it over there. You know, and so it's the beauty of, of how the two have different roles, but yet so, have the same amount of grace. So to, uh, to, like for this illustration, the woman is maybe a, she's real thin glass, but she's beautiful. Over here, it's a tin cup. It's going to last forever. But at the same time, they both hold the same thing. They, mm -hmm. they both hold the Spirit of God. Yeah. And they both hold the same amount. Yeah. It's not like the woman's this little thing and she can't hold it. You know, does that make sense? She, I'm not more important just because I'm a tin cup than she is this beautiful piece of, of uh, Waterford here. Right. Different. We have different roles and we're different, but yet we're the same in, in the eyes of Christ. And I love what he says here because he says that we are being heirs together of the grace of life. And he said to the man, he was saying this to the husbands, if you don't give honor to your wife, I'm not going to hear your prayers. He doesn't say that so, to both so of them. So men just that the are men. abusing their wives, they can abuse their wives and not give honor to their wives, but yet... Then they turn around and try to pray, and God's like, I can't hear you because she's my daughter. And look how you're treating her. 
but I have given her to you to steward, and I commanded you in my word to honor her. Yeah, John Bevere uh, had a great deal on this. He had a great revelation. Um, he said the Lord actually spoke to him. If you haven't read his books, they're fantastic, but um, said that the Lord had spoken to him and said, she is my daughter before she is your wife. Yeah. He said the fear of the Lord, like, oops, look how you're treating her. So if her if her uh, cup comes in all chipped up, we got a problem, gentlemen. Yeah. So we don't want to do that. We want to um, again. I'm making such a big point about this because I think there is some confusion as far as this headship thing is is concerned. I think there's some confusion even about leadership. Now there are many things that Tracy leads in our lives. Mm-hmm. Good Lord, I would hate to try to lead everything that needs to be led in my household. Like uh, she is. I mean, we could sing that I Am Woman song. She has educated my son. She's done everything at the house. She runs a church. She's got all these things. You know, she's making meals for people. And we, I mean, it's incredible what she gets done. If I had to come up with all that and lead all this, it just wouldn't happen. <laughs> we'll talk about that next week. Oh, the roles of men and women and how In the fact, brains of men and women mm-hmm. work. There's so, so much, there's so much there to unpack. I think we probably ought to wait till next week. Yeah. So the word tells the husbands to do three things. Number one, you're going to be head of the wife, which basically means just like Christ is head of the church and he's savior of the, and as he is savior of the body, the, the word savior there means sorter to preserve. And it also comes from the root word, which means to heal and make whole. And so he's saying, listen, like I told you guys, you married this woman and she is a closed up flower. And, and the Lord is saying, I want you to cultivate the soil around this woman. Because I have, she is mine, and I want you to help her to grow and to blossom into all that she's, she's meant to be. And P.S., don't bring her back all bruised and tattered to me, but, but bring her and present her to me. And that's the Lord speaking. And then uh, the second thing, husbands are to honor their wives. The third thing that the Lord said is, I want you to um, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he, Jesus, might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word, that Jesus might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or anything, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as they love their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. And then he says this, which is phenomenal, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. So in the garden, Adam said, she is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones. But here Paul is saying that, that we are now flesh of his flesh, bone of his bones together. And so he's saying, you are both mine, so you have to value and protect and love your woman. That should be a country song. Period. Period. Okay. Uh, it also says, husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter, which is angry and indignant, exasperated towards them. So you want to take that part? Yeah. Um, so leadership. 
let's do this. This will be the final thing. It's going long. It's about okay. like 10, 15, 11. Uh, okay. Where is that leadership part? Here it is. Oh, leadership. Um, so I was talking about that a little bit. If, if I'm the leader of everything uh, as the man, that's, that's not going to work. Um, apathy doesn't work either. If the man doesn't lead, a lot of times what you'll find is the woman will like, my husband won't do a thing and he won't lead, and so get out of the way and let me lead. Yeah. Is that going to be a good thing? Yeah. Yeah. When, when you see that going on in, in a household, it, it's problematic because when we do something other than um, we set it up another way that, that the Lord didn't make it. In other words, we do uh, the woman takes headship. She mm -hmm. takes leadership. And the man, like I said last week, he might just kind of diminish and, and just sit there quietly or check out. or Yeah, that, that destroys a woman's trust in her husband. Yeah. Uh, when she, he's not actively involved in the, his leadership in a family, she's like, how can I trust him to lead? She'll feel insecure. She'll yeah. feel fearful because the, the leading's not happening, and that makes you not trust. That makes you feel like, oh, my gosh, you know, it's not happening. Somebody's got to lead. And yeah, so we, wanna, we really want to, uh, if we're, um, you know, we've got to get strong in that area. We may need to... Figure that out. May yeah. need a father, you know, the father's heart revelation, or we may need to go to counseling, or we EJS. Need, may need uh, strong people. Got to go through EJS. Lives. Strong people in our lives to talk to us about those things, how to lead. Um, yeah, Lisa Bevere said this: When men act like boys, then women act like men. Yeah. And that's not that's not a diss. It's just the truth. Somebody's going to rise up in leadership, and the thing is, is that I love John's leadership because it covers and it protects and it makes me feel safe because he's engaged in leadership. He's engaged in prayer. He's engaged in the word. He's engaged in providing. And so it's like, whoa, okay, that's amazing. This is an amazing way to be able to follow, be able to love, be able to grow within this. He's provided the atmosphere that I can grow. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about that for a second. Uh, women in leadership or women in business or women in, in anything. Um, you know, there, there again, you've got to be careful on this one because if a man is insecure in his, um, his own situation, he may very well not want his wife to climb. And uh, you see cases of that. I'm getting a few nodded heads. Um, the very best way for us to be, gentlemen, is be who God said we are and, and you know, act accordingly, try to really line our lives up with, this, with the Word of God. And yeah. we don't do it perfectly. We know that. We're not saying if you make one little mistake, then you're not. But my point is um, you really want to, um, you want to take this role on and stand up and righteously lead your, your home. Uh, your children will develop better there. Um, your you know, it'll be a healthy home yeah. when the man takes his part. If we're acting like boys, little boys, and we're not leading, then, you know, again, there's this huge void, and the, the household's um, is um, yeah. not functioning as it should in the yeah. marriage. Now, I, I want to go on, and we've talked a lot about the men, but I do want to go on to the wives because I don't want to leave you without this, but I think I can cover it pretty quickly. 
Um, the word of God tells wives to do two things. Now, notice he told the men to do more than he did the wife, which is interesting. But he told wives to respect or revere or to esteem their husbands. Ephesians um, 5.33 says, Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And that's a, that, that word means to revere him and to esteem him. And, and so my job as, as a wife is really a Proverbs 31 wife, which is to guard my husband's heart. And that means that he can trust me as his mate to, to care for the things of the home, be, uh, to steward his money, our money wisely, not to overspend, not to gossip, not to be idle, but yet to be about the business of, of this first, well, this first, this second, and then taking care of our home and our children and co-laboring with him in decisions, in love, in passion, in romance, all of those things. And, and so I cultivate his heart and I guard his heart. And so I'm always considering what would John think? How would this decision of mine affect John? What would he think about this? And so I'd never do anything or make any decisions that are major outside of John because I want to make sure that his heart is okay. And so when, when, and to the point that he was making earlier about some men who may be feeling a little bit insecure in their leadership, my job if John's feeling insecure or he's not to the place where God has said he should be, I take it up in prayer and I begin to labor not by, by nagging and accusing and speaking Captain Obvious, well, you're just not enough. Here are all the things that you're not doing. But I begin to labor in the place of prayer and say, God, you know, and I begin to speak and prophesy these things even to him. And I begin to call out things that are not, are that are not, even though they are, are things that are, even though they are not. And so I prophesy to him, John, you are this. And I begin to tell him the giant of a man, you're my hero. I say that to him all the time. And especially if he's, if he's experienced any kind of failure, I'm not there to just throw, you know, a, 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 a salt on that wound, but I'm there to go, Look, let me tell you who you are. Let me remind you of who you are in my heart and to this family and to our community and before the Lord. And so I'm the reflection of what God sees to my husband because the world is beating him up and it's my job to help cultivate his heart and protect his heart. Likewise, uh, yeah, to finish that point, um, when, a, when a man's heart's full, then he's, he's going to lift his wife more. If yeah. man's life, if, if he's not feeling it, then he may want to keep her down. So what we want to do is we want to go back to God on all these things. Uh, look, uh, you know, when you, if you marry someone like Tracy Ecker, she has a destiny on her life. Obviously, the Lord's given her a call. That's and okay. we all have a it's, destiny. It's phenomenal to uh, be a part of that. And for think about it, for the other half of you to participate in that. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're doing it together, but there would be no storehouse church if it wasn't for uh, the call on Tracy's life. I'm just saying. Uh, by the same thing, each one of us is running in the lane that we're called to run in. I'm running in the lane I'm called to run in, which is right now business and the church. Um, you know, 
seek first the kingdom of heaven and all other be uh, given to you. And it is. It's being added to us as we go. But that because one person is on stage or one person is doing this or that, it doesn't mean the other person is less than or they, you know, a lot of us here on the earth, we start looking at the world for our answers about who we want to be, what's important here. Well, mm-hmm. I just said, Jesus said, the least will be the greatest. So if you're looking, uh, like Hollywood would say, the one with the microphone is the one that's, I mean, clearly the best of, of the deal or the one that's uh, leading the group or the one that's ahead or the one that's, uh, you know, the, the, the boss at the, at the uh, company that you work at. The fact is, it really, that's just what you do. Are y'all with me on this? That's just what you do. So let's don't, yeah. uh, we don't want to let that's the good. world define Christianity. Yeah, that's good, um, baby. So just be confident in who the Lord's called you to be, no matter what that is. And you will help your mate, which is your other half, your bone of your bone and flesh of your flesh, to be all they can be at the same time. Yeah. And they're never the same. We yeah. need to get this right because they're never the same. Yeah. But we don't want to look over our wife's fence and say, I want to be like her. Or we don't want to look over our neighbor's fence and say, if your wife, if my wife is only like her, his wife. Yeah. Uh, we want to take, um, we want we to take our support, land and run We it. want to support one another in our call. Um, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's, uh, that's a really good point, baby. Um, okay. The second part, um, the two things that the wives do. Number one, respect your husbands. Number two, submit to your husbands. And this scripture, how many of you have heard that scripture quoted like all the time? Women, wives submit to your husbands. Okay, I really want to go there for a minute because in Ephesians 5.22, in most English version Bibles, it has this as a brand new paragraph that starts with 5.22, women submit to your husbands. But in the Greek, that is not broken down into a new paragraph. It actually starts in in Ephesians uh, 5.18 where he says, um, where Paul is saying, and do not be drunk with wine, in which is dispensation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in your heart, giving thanks always to all things to God the Father in the name of Jesus. And And then he says, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. And then he goes down and he says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. But he's saying submitting to one another. And so here's what he's doing. He's pointing out a picture and he's saying, listen, you guys are leaking. You're leaking and therefore you're getting drunk with the whole, you're getting drunk with wine and not with the Holy Spirit. But the thing that enables you in this oneness, in this marriage is, is being filled with the spirit, which when you are full, you're not empty. So you need to pull from someone else to meet your needs. But you're filled with the Spirit. Therefore, when you're filled with the Spirit, you can submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. And your marriage looks like this. Submitting to one another, serving one another, helping one another, joining together as co-heirs and co-leaders in the marriage. And so next week, what we're going to be talking about is the practicals of what it looks like for a woman and a man. What practically do women need? What practically do men need? And it's going to be a great time, so I hope you'll join us next week. So why don't you close in prayer? Well, Lord, thank you for this time to... uh just discuss marriage, Lord, and uh, I just pray for every heart here, Lord, that uh, no matter where they are, I pray that you would help them uh, to just to succeed in their marriage. Uh, if they're not married, Lord, and they want to be, I pray that you begin to prepare their mate, that they, you'd start to bring in ones instead of eights or nines. 
and uh, get them healthy, Lord. I pray that everyone in this church would be healthy and ready for marriage uh, so that when you uh, bring their mate, Lord, they'll be, they'll be ready to do it. And I just pray for strong marriages here. If there are any struggles, even this from us bringing all this up, I pray that you'd cover that. You'd give us a lot of grace for one another, even to discuss these things in the homes. Lord, I just pray that uh, everything could be made right and that we'd have the strongest marriages on the planet right yes, here. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.